Hi, it's Dan here for Dusty Discs Radio, and this is the podcast Liner Notes, revealing chats with Canada's retro music makers. Today, I'm very honored to have as my special guest, Miles Goodwin. We'll be talking about music and travels and the ups and downs of being a career entertainer. And we'll get some other insights as well about recording and working on hit albums and, and much more as we get a perspective of the Canadian music scene from someone who's been there for many decades. And Miles needs no introduction. He's a living legend in the Canadian music scene as lead singer, guitar player, songwriter for the iconic band April Wine. And the radio hits that he wrote and the albums that April Wine put out are an essential part of the Canadian musical landscape. So uh, thanks for joining me today, Miles. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm uh, I'm in Nova Scotia, and I'm fine. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So you you ended up back there, right? You had, you'd gone to Montreal and Toronto, and then you ended up living back in your in your home native province. Yes, I never lived in Toronto. I lived in the Montreal area for many years. I lived down in the Bahamas for a while. In the, yep. in the mid 80s uh and uh yeah i'm back in nova scotia this is where i'm from and uh so i'm back home so you feel most comfortable there that's kind of a yeah. kinship there yeah exactly yeah. yeah well good well i read your book cover to cover it's called just between me and you it came out in 2016 and i uh, highly recommend it to my listeners if you if you want to know the history of of april wine and and your life like you, you trace your professional and your personal journey i must say it's it's quite touching in a few spots there it kind of got me and uh really really well worth taking the time to read it so uh, i appreciate how forthcoming you were and i have more respect for you after reading it you, you have a kind of a mature sort of self-awareness in the book that is reflective and endearing i think to people Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it it was written a while ago now, and, and uh, it was uh, difficult to, to write at times because some of the subject matter was difficult uh, mm. to, to talk about. You know, the, my mother dying uh, when I was 11 uh, and mm. uh, and other things, you know, other things. Um, so, um, you know, mm. I'm glad people like it. And it was in, it was a bestseller on the bestseller list of the uh, Toronto Globe and Mail. So yeah, it was, it took, yeah, a, I can see. took some work, but it was worth it. <laughs> I can see why, because, uh, you know, you're sort of peeling back and, and the curtain or pulling back the curtain, I suppose you could say, and just saying, well, here's, here's what goes on in this kind of a life. And, and of course you bring up the issue of your mom right away. And then you said that you, you turned to music. That, that yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. It, it inspired me. Uh, well, the music kind of saved me, you know, it's one of those, it's almost a cliche, you know, some people say, well, it was the music saved me. If it was sports that saved me, I was lost and, and, and I somehow was able to manage uh, and get through things. And for me, it was music. It's always yeah. been music. Yeah. So you, were you self-taught or did you had some lessons? I guess your family was very musical too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, the music was more of my mother's side and, uh, and I had aunts and uncles that performed professionally uh, my uncle, actually, one of my uncles in a country band, they toured in eastern Canada and and and, and eastern uh, northern New York and, and places like that. But anyway, it was just in in that side of the family, so I was used to hearing music yeah. around me all the time. And, yeah, yeah, well, of course, yeah, yeah. Well, it was an important uh, music was important, right? And more, much more than it is nowadays, I suppose, in the sense that it was your entertainment, it was your family gatherings. You get together, you sing, you play, you have a couple drinks, whatever. Well, they still do that down here. That's uh, there's not a yeah. home in Nova Scotia without a guitar, I don't think. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice to hear. And then, of course, for you. Um, growing up in the, I guess, the fifties and sixties and seventies, it was a pretty exciting time, right? I mean, you're 
chasing the rock star dream. And I guess like, like a thousand other kids, you're playing music and, and enjoying yourself. Like at, at what point did you think, well, I can make something more of this? Like, well, that was like, much later in life. But I mean, I, you know, I was young enough that when the Beatles, uh, you know, came out and the British invasion, all of that, I was in my uh, middle teens. So a uh, very impressionable age. And so I, at that point, like so many millions of people around the world, musicians decided that we could do more than just uh, cover songs, you know, that we could actually write and perform our own songs. The Beatles were one of the very first artists to do that. Uh, yeah. Usually musicians were doing, you know, with the people that wrote the songs, there were the people who produced them, and there were the people that performed them. But the Beatles changed that. I mean, other people were doing it too. I mean, the Beach Boys were doing it too. They were, you know, they were yeah. writing their own songs. But typically, that wasn't the case. So, uh, yeah, that was nice. But I didn't take uh, the idea of doing music professionally did not occur to me uh, till much, much later. As I say in the book, I was looking to be in the Air Force. And uh, as and I studied mechanical drafting and engineering up in Ontario, then back in Halifax. And then I went to a recruiting office um, in my final year of studies. And it was only then, it sounds weird to say it, but <laughs> only then did I realize that like 90% or 95% of all the kind of work that I would be doing or wanted to do was done by civilians. And mm. I wanted I wanted the uniform and I wanted to travel. So that really discouraged mm. me. And then I have a heart murmur too. That was another issue that came up. And I just okay. I just in 1968 I said the heck with that. I I joined a, a band, a cover band in 1968, and I went down to Cape Breton, mm. and we played there for a year at the most. And then one day down the road came Jim Henman. Uh, and yep. Jim asked me if I wanted to join a band and it was him and his cousins. And the four of us started April wine in, uh, yep. in 1969. Yep. Beautiful. So, so you guys ended up chasing that dream. I love what you say in there about the, the, the name April wine. You've been asked about it. Say so it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It's just two words. It's okay, which is great. I appreciate you saying that. Cause I always thought it was a cool name, but you know, it doesn't have to have. Well, we didn't, I, I didn't like it. I mean, you know, yeah, that's the whole point. You know, one of the guys in the band decided, you know, came up with the name and that became the name. But um, yeah. the idea was that it doesn't mean anything. And, and it didn't sound like a rock band, which, you know, I didn't care for that so much. And in and, and the very early days, um, you know, checking into a hotel, they, people would say literally, okay, so where's April White? We want to, we have to check her in. And we say, no, that's us. Oh. We are April Wine. And so, oh. um, you know, but April Wine's a good name only because we made it a good name. You know, it's only a well, good, that, good name because of the music. Well, that's exactly right. And it's a handle, right? I mean, you pick a name, Goo Goo Dolls, Led Zeppelin, doesn't matter. It becomes the handle. And it's the handle that's the most important, right? Uh, yeah. You know, some of, the, some, of the, some of the, yeah, of course it always is. But there's some names are great names and others, <laughs> other names not so much. But it's what you make of it. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. And then, so you, so you and the Henmans got together and, and decided to chase this dream. Like, was there a plan, or did you just sort of think? No, no, there's no, no, no plan. Like every other band, hoping to get a record deal, and yeah, you know, so you know, that's what. And and then eventually, you did get a record deal, but it wasn't that long after. It was only a few years after because. Uh, you did your first one with, with fast train and then uh, on record, that's the first time I heard of April wine. I'm a little bit younger than you. But yeah. Yeah. Well, the first record, the first record was called April wine on record was the second one. One came out in 71, yes. the other in 72. Yeah. 
And that's when I, so I would have been 12 years old and I heard could have been a lady and bad side of the moon and stuff. And I just thought that's just is totally great. Cause I was a young guitar player. So we learned, I've, I've sang tons and tons of your songs over the years and being in show bands and cover bands and stuff. Love it. And, and I've done lots of them and, but could have been a lady was the first one. Yeah. And, uh, always always played it and sang it so that's really i think that's the album that probably put you on the map right that there were people going not really series. no 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 but you know it did well in canada our in albums canada. our albums become became you know as the albums progressed we became more successful uh yeah. the first two were just regional uh stand back really was a big leap in terms of canadian sales and acceptance uh, and then of course, first glance, which was, I forget when it was, I don't have it in front of me, uh, in the late seventies, first glance with roller was the one finally that broke us internationally. And of course, uh, you know, and so forth, but that's how long it took it up from, you know, that first record in 1971 up until 1978, I believe it was that we released, um, uh, first glance. Yeah. But you know, it's funny how that goes because, you know, for me, like could have been lady bads out of the moon, drop your guns. We used to play drop your guns actually in our band and we loved it. So for us, the progression was super cool because it, it was just better and better and better. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were lucky. Yeah. We were lucky that things got better and better. But, but when I hear could have been lady, I still turn it up. Well, good I for you. Good for it. you. I love it. Good for you. <laughs> so turn it up. Yeah. And uh, so why did you, why did you record bad side of the moon? Cause that was an Elton John, Bernie Toppin song. Right? How did that come about? Um, well, the, our producer brought us the song. That was Ralph Murphy was producing yeah, you guys at yeah, the time, right? Yeah. yeah. How was your experience with him? Good. He, I like Ralph yeah. a lot. He passed away last year, sadly, but yeah. He, he did. That's right. Did you learn a lot from him? And, and I, 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 I learned, I learned something, some stuff from him. Yeah. 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 He, uh, mm -hmm. You know, you learn something from everybody if you pay attention. You know, I learned more later on. I mean, all of those early records that we did, you know, I'm not big fans of because we didn't know what we were doing. There was a lot of changes within the band as we kind of moved, trying to find find the right combination of people to make the best music. And uh, by that, I mean, you know, Jim Henman left after the first album. David and Richard Henman left basically after the second album. In came mm -hmm. Gary, Jerry Mercer, the drummer, the iconic drummer. And Gary Moffat came in. And this was around Electric Jewels. So, you know, as you know, and, and even still, I wasn't really happy with our recordings because, you know, while we were doing was these little two and a half minute songs that you like and people like, but that's not what I wanted. Yeah. And then we did finally we did an album for the first time in our lives in 1975. I produced Stand Back and that just all of a sudden, you know, we, we, we went from, you know, a few records to, you know, shipping platinum. It was that was a yeah. big breakthrough. And uh, Jim Clench was in the band at that time on bass, and he wrote Ooh, What a Night, that I believe is on that record. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. you know, and so, yeah, it progressed. But musically, you know, in terms of learning the craft was just doing it. And, and then eventually I started co-producing a few things, especially with, um, with, um, with uh, Mike Stone. Uh, with Mike Stone um, up around Nature of the Beast, uh, that was that was that there was a lot to learn there because this man was very successful with Queen and and, and right. loved Queen yeah. records. So yeah, it's a progression. I'm still learning. I'm in the studio all the time. You know, I yeah. I started blues doing blues records two or three years ago, and Miles Goodwin Friends of the Blues, and then Miles Goodwin Friends of the Blues two, 
Yep. Not, first one was nominated for a Juno for Blues Album of the Year. Uh, won the East Coast Music Award for Blues Album of the Year, and as did the next one. They were very successful internationally, not just in the U.S. and Canada, but also overseas. Um, and I have a third one coming out later this year. So, um, you know, I, I learn all the time. Um, and that's what I love about music. And I've always called it, the studio's like making making history. And, and I continue to try and make history under my own terms now. And uh, which will include a new April wine album, I hope, around the around the new year sometime. Awesome. Well, that's yeah. cool because when I was when I was going through the timeline and I was, re- of course, reading through the book, um, you didn't mention it too much, but you ended up producing other bands, too, because you produced an album for Tease. Yeah, I didn't do much, hardly at all. I wasn't really interested. I did the one with Tease, One Night Stands. That was that was fun. We're still friends. Good um, I didn't do much more than that. I did. Okay. Um, I did a country record with a fellow named Julian Austin. I did a a couple of other little projects, but I was so busy with April Wine that I didn't really have the time. Because uh, as soon as we were off there, we'd record a record, go on the road, and then I'd have to write another record and produce the yeah. record and get on the road and, and the and on and on and on. Yeah. But I didn't produce many other people. Just uh, just myself, uh, April Wine, and more recently myself. Yeah. Okay. No, I was curious about that because I, I wonder when you look at the timeline, I mean, when you look back on that now, it must've been just a continuous blur of like this and this and this. And the next day you said in the book, you did 10 albums between 73 and 84, or you did, what was it? 13 albums. I think you said 11 studio albums and two live albums. Yeah. It's a lot of work, you know, uh, yeah. but I mean, I, I love recording. I mean, that's what I, that's what I, I continue to write and record. And that's what I live for. I mean, my life is very, very busy now. Even during uh, the pandemic, I was able to continue writing and recording, which is what I love. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I have a, a brand new um, record coming out on June 23rd, which is my birthday, yes. uh, called Long, Long Pants. And, yeah, this is something that I've been working on for a long time. It covers uh, a lot of serious issues and, and family, uh, songs about family and so forth. So, for me, the writing, the continual recording and writing is, is just what I do. It is another blues, again, Maple Wine, and a brand new record coming out uh, in June. So, yeah, yeah, it keeps me busy. Well, good for you. It's an inspiration because I'm happy to see it. You know, that a lot of yeah. guys, they get jaded Thank or you. burned out and that, but you're, you've been active. I follow you on Facebook. Of course, we're friends on Facebook, and, I, and I'm yeah. always thrilled when I see it, and you always have something going on, which is, it speaks well of you, so I'm happy for that. Well, there's, yeah, thank you very, very much. I, I appreciate that. I, I guess, you know, the day will come. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can still hit the notes at the end of Roller. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I can still rock. Um, but the other stuff is really important to me. I mean, I, I, I do appreciate the past and the fan base because without it, you know, we wouldn't be working still or, or have the success that we've had, but my life is not around the past. It's about today and tomorrow. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's still exciting times for me. I can still sing and write and make a fist. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah I'll just keep doing it. I love it. And how, so your voice is feeling good these days? You're yeah. Okay. Yeah. My voice is fine. Yeah. yeah. And how's the hearing? How's your rock and roll? Well, as far as I know, it's good. I mean, I produce records and they sound good still. Yeah, so good. I guess the hearing's good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. No, good. Yeah, Cause it, that's the thing about to rock and roll musicians, right? You get the rock and roll ears after a while and kind of. Kind of yeah. Well, I'm, you know, the thing is people have talked about that for a long time. And if you're not a drummer, it's not so bad on your ears because those yeah. marshals are pointing at my ass. Yes. And at the audience, they're not pointing at my ears. So I'm projected. You know, it's worse for the people in front, certainly, than it would be for 
for me, yeah. it's it's behind me, right? Uh, but the drummers is very hard on the drummers, so they're surrounded with crashing cymbals and oh, loud yeah. snares. It's yeah. brutal, and and Jerry wears here here ear, you know earpieces in both ears, so yeah. you know. But he he's such a powerful drummer that uh, that oh, yeah. the, the decibel level around his kit when he's playing is pretty darn high. You know? Yeah. So I have to ask you a little bit about Stand Back, the album Stand Back, because for me, I was a teenager when that came out. So well, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it too much, but go no, ahead. Okay. Yeah. But it, you know, like you have to. Obviously, when you put your art out, it becomes part of other people's lives, right? Absolutely, that, that absolutely. A, a really important part of my life because that's one of my favorite albums ever, and right, and it was one really, of my favorites too. Yeah. Well, really good. So on that, you talk a lot about in the book about the record deals and you you know breaking in the u.s and you said you signed a u.s record deal with london records but you guys got shafted out of that because that stand back should have been a worldwide album but you said that the record deal went sideways is that accurate? well london records was on its way out they'd been a record okay. label but they they were they were shifting from being any 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 a record label that was current and happening and they were becoming another type of label okay. i don't know how to explain what that was but you know uh, our, our management at the time said look that uh, you know this record will be really, really important to London Records. So let's go with them, which was like the worst thing we could have done. Yeah. Mm, so, okay. yeah. So that, that didn't help the record outside of Canada for sure. Yeah. 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 A lot of people think, well, you put out a good song, put out a good record and then that it, you're off to the races, but that's really not the case. right? No, it's and, never, it's never that easy. There's a lot of luck and there's a lot of, you know, other elements that decide yeah. um, the success of something. Yeah, well, fair enough. And then you did the live at the Elma Combo. I wanted to ask you about that whole, that the way you describe it in the book. I mean, that was just a, a gong show from beginning to end, I guess, with the way that they promoted it and then the secret band. And then you did a live album and they did a live album. And What was that whole experience like? Well, yeah, yeah, that's all documented in the book. This all is. But, you know, basically the Rolling Stones were doing a live album and they asked us to be part of it. Uh, at the Elma Combo Club in Toronto. I think the anniversary is right about now. I know they released um a new record and uh, there's a lot of uh, noise around it uh, mm. i have some interviews coming up with a number of interviews around around that um um you know gig uh, yeah. which which was in 1977 that would have been just before april wine but went to five brian greenway came in in 77 yeah. and we did first glance uh, but you know, it was okay. I mean, it was kind of, it was cool to be there with the stones. You just want to get out of the way, you know, you don't want to yeah. get in the way. It's, it's the rolling stones, you know, it was a, a big deal, you know, and it was a lot of fun. And the stones took us down to Buffalo and some other shows and oh, cool. uh, they were very nice to us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, that's part of the cool experience of life, I guess. It is. And, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and you've, uh, you talk about the different band members and you've had lots of, of band members over the years. And you talk about that a lot in the book, you know, there was some tension and some of the, some guys kind of left for various reasons and, and you're, you're pretty self-reflective too. I must say, I, I appreciate that about you in the well, book. Well, the thing is the whole thing is, and I say in the, you know, in the, in the front of the book that it's dedicated to my, to my children. And the whole purpose of that book, and this is the main purpose, is for people to know my family, to know what they're, you know, my children, know what dad has been through, uh, family members and friends. But it was, you know, I would say maybe the the main reason was for the fans because the truth was never told. I mean, yeah. I've heard so much folklore and, and BS around why things happened or didn't happen, why the buddy came and left and changes happened. But the fact is, um, the truth was never really told, not to my ears. 
And so I said, you know what, before I'm done, I'm just going to tell it like it is. So everybody knows that cares uh, what really happened. And I was very fortunate because Brian Greenway has been there through almost all of it. And uh, even when he wasn't in the band, he was a friend of the bands. We, you know, he was in one band. I was in April one. We were still friends and, and knew each other and performed together and so forth. So Brian was able to collaborate with me because I didn't want fans to go. That's not true. I heard this. Well, I don't care what you heard. This is what happened. And I asked Brian to back me up whenever possible, just so people understood that they were reading the truth. And, and that's all I wanted. I just wanted the people to know what happened. It was never malicious. You read my book. I was never out. I was, I'm never malicious in my book. I'm just stating the way it really was. And I think for fans, it's important. And for my family uh, also really uh, to know the facts, you know, of of what the the way it was. Well, you say at one point you almost called the book the truth. You almost named it that, right? Oh, I don't know. Did I say that? (laughs) Well, that's what it was. It, It was, I don't remember, but that, but that's what it is. You know, it's, yeah. it is, it is the truth, you know, so there you go. Well, I yeah. think for me, for, you know, from reading it and, and learning about those stories, I think there's, you know, a couple of things that struck me is one, you, you didn't want to be malicious. You, you say a few times, like, you know, I'm just saying this just as a matter of fact, I'm not, you know, trying to promote any negativity. Absolutely. Or saying yeah. negative. Um, and then the other thing is, well, you're, you're self-reflective because you, you do a few times admit, you know, I was in the wrong or you got, the, sure. your, you know, your substance abuse issues took, took uh, over at times and stuff. And you're very open yeah. about that. Right. Yeah. Well, that's part of the story, isn't it? You know, so well, why would I, yeah, why would I hide, you know, I mean, and I could have written another two or three books about the stuff that's not there, yeah. but the important stuff's there and, and dirty laundry is no part. And, um, and yeah. uh, hearsay is no part. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's right there. Yeah. And then you talk quite a bit about your own sort of struggles with alcohol and, and, the you know, getting caught up in the well, rock and roll lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lifestyle. You know, we, you know, we all went through that, that, that stuff, you know, it's, uh, it, you know, the whole, there's this conception, misconception uh, that, you know, performing by, uh, by an artist, let's say a rock band is, is just one big party. Well, it is, but it, it shouldn't be, you know, it should yeah. be, it's work, it's work. And, and people say, oh, we're going to play. Well, we're actually, we're going to work. Yeah. And, and, and that's how I feel about it today. Back then I was a young man, like everybody else, we were all caught up in everything. And luckily, you know, some people succumb to it. Some people still succumb to drugs and booze, but, uh, all of us, we were, we, we didn't, you know, all of us survived all of that stuff. No. Well, yeah. you talk about you almost died at one point, right? You were. I did. I I was. I was bleeding internally um, from. Uh, well, I don't know. I think it was lifestyle. I mean, it wasn't any one thing, but it was um, these these nodes that get on your throat. They're like grapes, if you will, hmm. and uh, they were on my throat, and I didn't realize what they were. But I was a smoker too. I smoked yeah. uh, a pack a day and so forth. You know, up until two thousand seven. Uh, when I, it just hemorrhaged and I, um, I was taken to a two or three hospitals that day. And, uh, they told me if I, if that hadn't happened, I would have been dead within 24 hours. Wow. Absolutely. So I had months of rehab and stuff, but anyway, uh, not around rehab or on booze, but just physically being okay again. It was, yeah. it was very hard on my body, what I went through. And I haven't touched any substance since then. That was a big turning point for me and i was also diagnosed with diabetes type one which runs in my family my brother my brothers my brothers uh two of us 
out of three have diabetes. My son, my youngest boy, uh, Carrie is his name. He was diagnosed at the age of six. Um, so it's rapid in my family. And that, that, that was, um, that was at the same time, you know, so it was, it was pretty powerful. Uh, all of these, all of these things happening at the same time. Anyway, got through it all, you know, and the new record, the new record, long pants, uh, one song deals with diabetes. I mean, it does, it did, it deals with my son, um, dealing with diabetes. It's called over the moon. Nice. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I, and I, and I played it for the JDRF, which is the juvenile diabetes research foundation. And when it comes out, we'll be getting more, more out of that song as well. Just like for Ukraine, you know, um, getting a lot of, a lot, a lot of action out there, a lot of discussions and, 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 and the only purpose was to help, you know, get some money sent to the people over there that need it. And it seems to be, it seems to be helping. So it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, good for doing that because I, I watched the video. I mean, there's some some poignant images and some disturbing. Yeah, things. it's pretty it's pretty pretty horrendous because the rest of you know, the world is just watching. We're seeing seeing it. We're reading about it. We're seeing the images and so forth. And uh, we've never really been in that position where we can sit at home with our feet up in a beer and watch what's going on—the killing and the starvation and the and the dem- and the and the damage that's being done to the people. Uh, you know, over 4 million people, you know, uh, displaced right now and, and without all the things that they need, like a normal person needs, including medication. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty hard. So yeah, song came fast. Yeah. It was written, written overnight, you know? Well, good. Well, and because in this day and age, my wife said that to me, said in this day and age, how can this even happen? Like, like why? Well, you know, war has been around forever. The yeah. thing is, this war is coming, is, is, for, is, is grabbed our imagination, but war has been around forever, as you know. Yeah. And every year, like last year, the year before, the decade before, the decade before, there's a war going on somewhere. There are people being killed and, and all over the world all of the time. We just yeah. don't really care. Yeah. But in this case, you know, probably because of Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, yeah. He's such um, he's such an amazing person with so much charisma yeah. uh, and so much dedication to the, to the people of Ukraine and the country of Ukraine that the world just loves him. We fell in love with him. He's a hero, yeah. and 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 people are rooting for him and for his people. You know, and and that's that's new. We didn't have that in any of the other wars. Yeah. Uh, not like this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, that's a good word, and he's a, a heroic figure, and he's standing with his people, and he's staying there. So that's uh, yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's not giving up. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to ask you a little bit about the U.S. market. You know, did you ever think about moving to the U.S.? Like, like one of the knocks on Canadian bands is that a lot of them don't do well in the states, and and you toured the states lots. You played down there. You had songs on the Billboard chart. Yeah, we still stuff. we still tour down there. We still yeah. tour down there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but but trying to make your mark, like you talk in the book about, you know, you're, you're doing a bunch of backup dates and then you did some smaller venues and just never quite got to where you wanted to be or where you deserve to be. Cause you were a billboard, you know, hit making band down there. Well, we, 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 we did, you know, the problem is, is that we were playing the big stages and touring with all the big bands and our contemporaries from rush to journey to you name it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those people, you know, but uh, you know, the band, for you know, I'll call it hiatus. We took a nine-year hiatus. Hmm. Uh, it caught up with me uh, in about say eighty-four or five. I've been doing it since you know for decades, and uh, the yep. same as we talked earlier about 
you know, write, record, tour, write, record, tour. And, and there were some other things that came up and I'd had enough. I uh, retired to the Bahamas. But when we came back, when we, when I came back to Canada uh, later on, I was approached by one person in the beginning from out of California. What, how about a new uh, April wine record? I said, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. it was, you know, but then I did. And I spoke to the guys. And then we got more interest from labels and so forth. So um, in the early 90s, uh, April Wine released uh, an album called Attitude, and uh, and uh, but the market had passed us by now, mm-hmm. and so our management in another horrible um, career move uh, figured they'd put us into clubs and, and work our way up again. Well, once the promoters in the U.S. heard that April Wine was doing bars, uh, clubs, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know bars is the right word, but small clubs we stayed there, you know, and, and if we had gone in as where we left off and like not taken anything, not take the first offers and then waited to get into uh, the proper billing, it would have, it would have been different. But I mean, I hear from the U S all the time. And earlier this morning, somebody sent me something from the U S it was a a band called, I don't know what they were called, damn the torpedoes or something like that. And, and they had a song out and they mentioned April one in the first verse. What's yeah. really interesting about you working in the U S these years and, and especially in the last, well, since April one's been back together, we do these April one still does these big concerts. Uh, you know, not as many as I'd like to see us do, but we do where there's multiple bands, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, from Sammy Hager to, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, all kinds of bands. So what happens is these American bands, that are now uh, they're at the age where they were influenced by first glance and harder, faster. And, and, um, 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 the other one was just between you and me on it, whatever that's called, uh, nature of the beast yeah. and all that. They were influenced by that. So, so, you know, so many American bands, uh, you know, lots of American bands that I love their records. You know, I would hear the records say, Oh, that's a great band. I never thought that I would meet the, meet them yeah. in modern times. And they would go on, they would, they would show up early to hear April wine oh, cool. and, and just, you know, say, Hey, I got all your records. We lived in California. We're a California band. Or we, you know, we were in Texas and all of these places around the country. And you start to realize after a while, you know, I mean, we did sell, you know, over a million records down there. A couple of them were, were gold records down there. Yeah. Uh, and one was platinum. Uh, so there were 500 and, and uh, 500,000 and a million copies yeah. uh, per per record. So, yeah, it, it, it's cool. And uh, I'd be down there right now. I mean, people, we have an agent down there that wants to book us, but I'm just not ready to, to tour Southside yet because right. of COVID. Okay. Yeah. And then you're, you're doing a four piece right now, right? That you're currently. Yeah, we, 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 yeah, we've been a four piece, uh, since, uh, well, since the early nineties, we got back together. Um, uh, am I mistaken? No, we might've been five for, I can't remember actually. I know we had one person as a hired hand for a while playing guitar, background vocals and keyboards. Carl Dixon was his name, yeah. but, um, yeah, I think we've just been, uh, we've been four. Oh no, Steve Siegel. I'm I'm sorry. We were five. I, you're, yep. I have to think back. When we when we got together in the '90s, we did Attitude and Frigate, and Steve Siegel played guitar. We were five for a while, but we haven't been five in a long, long time. We've been okay. four. Well, yeah. that's why I was wondering if you were ever going to move. Did you ever think about moving to the states and just sort of absorbing I, yourself in that market? Uh, well, I did. I did for a, a very short time. I was thinking of going to L.A. You know, uh, yeah. back around the time of. Um, 
around 1973. Mm. I thought about it for a bit, um, but I didn't. We didn't make the move. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's well. Obviously, you're Canadian and proud to be a, a good Canadian guy that uh, came out of Canada and stayed here because a lot of other people left and and uh, some people just didn't didn't stick around to their Canadian heritage again, like Neil Young or there's a, a list of people. But uh, but you stayed and, and, and lots did. Yeah, and lots yeah. did stay. I mean, Rush stayed. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Many many left. Brian Adams left, although I think he's kept a place on the West Coast for a long time. Yeah, uh, but in dip, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so what? Well, whatever, whatever. No, that's cool. So, and the, the, so I was going to ask you, like, you've really done it all. You've got the record deals and the tunes and the band and the videos. You did. The, you were in the video age as well, too. So in the eighties, and then as you reflect back on your life and your career, did you miss anything? Is there something that you would have liked to have done that you didn't do? Well, I, I wish we had taken the, the nine-year hiatus, eight or nine years off. I think it would have been better for me to take a year off uh, or, or maybe two years off because I was so burnt out yeah. uh, from uh, from the work and the lifestyle um, that I just wanted out so bad. I mean, really, I was, you know, I was writing songs for the very first album back in 1969, uh, and it's 1984 into 85. and. Yeah. Uh, I was tired. Yeah, I was well, tired. Yeah. That's understandable. I, I just watched the uh, the Triumph documentary. I mean, right. Rick, yeah. Rick, Emmett, Rick Emmett said the same thing. He said, "I looked down the road. It's another album, another tour, writing more songs. It just I didn't see you know an end to it where I could find myself in that." Yeah, I, I know the boys for a long time, and uh, I know uh, Gil best of all, the drummer yeah. uh, for Triumph and the owner of. Um, Metalworks recording Works. studio where I did uh, where I did Attitude nice uh, record yeah yeah they're good guys and he's right you know um, and he's another man that had a lot more to give uh, but that band they weren't around for very long and uh, you know they had some fun for a few years but Gil is a real businessman so he got he he's in the right place and has been for decades yeah and uh, and um, and the fellow you just mentioned the guitar player there Rick, he's yeah. uh, yeah, Rick. Yeah, excuse me, Rick. Rick Emmett. Uh, he's a wonderful artist and singer. Yeah. Yes. And continues to do stuff, uh, yeah. as you know. But yeah. it just reminded me of that because what you say, you know, it's it's another album, another tour. You're chasing yeah. hit songs. You got the record, and then you got all the business crap to deal with at the same time, right? Which is just has a yeah. way of weight, the weight of the world on your shoulders. Well, so. there were time, there were times when I was I wish I hadn't been the the writer and and the leader, um, because it it's fun to be just a member in a band you know yeah i think ringo had you know <laughs> speaking of the beatles and dating myself you know yeah. ringo's work workload was very different from mccartney and lennon yeah. uh for example sure. and even harrison but uh, yeah. but yeah there's you know every band has their usually anyway they have their their writer their leaders and and they work they seem to work they have to work all the time yeah. Uh, rather than just to get a phone call, okay, we're going out on a tour. Oh, great! You know, see you there, and I'll you'll get to play for ninety minutes and come home. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. But it's it's been a lot. Way. Yeah, and and it's been a lot. It's been a wait, you know, and yeah. uh, and uh, but it's also very rewarding. It's a double-edged sword, you know. When your record doesn't work, everybody points your finger at you, <laughs> and and when you have a big hit, every you're the toast, you know, of, yeah. of the of the day. So anyway, yeah. you live with it. 
So yeah. if I, if I may just ask you another question about some, some other artists that you work with, we, we just, this last week, we lost uh, Jerry Doucette and Susan Jacks. I knew both of them. I live on the West coast and, uh, I wondered if you wanted to reflect on their careers or if you knew them or interacted with them at all, Susan would have been around right at the time you were coming up. No, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't know Susan, uh, you know, she, um, she was in a different, uh, music, right. As if a yeah. genre. Yeah. So no, I was so so. I'm a, I'm aware of her, you know, yeah. and and sad that she passed. Yeah. But uh, I didn't know her personally. No. Okay. Uh, and Jerry just sat. Yeah, we were friends. <laughs> well, we say friends on Facebook. So yeah. for what that's worth, uh, Jerry and I were friends on Facebook, and, okay. and it was sad to see him pass. Away. Did you ever do yeah. any shows together? Uh, I don't know. We may have, but I don't remember doing any shows. He might have been part of a you know of a whole bunch of artists on a. Yeah. On a, you know, some of these festivals, especially back in the day, we'll say back in the day, they were th- two or three days long. I mean, they still can be weekend long, but, you know, there were so many artists. And, and yeah. later, years later, I've seen posters, um, you know, and showing April wine, California jams and things like that, where, um, uh, you know, all of these artists are on there. Cheech and Chong. I didn't know I played with Cheech and Chong. <laughs> you know? uh, so, yeah. and I look at I look at the the roster uh, for a two or three day event where April Wine's right there in the mix, and uh, I'm going. I didn't know that they played uh, earlier that right. day, and I didn't I didn't know they played the next day or that guy the day before. I wish I'd been in the audience the, or backstage the entire time uh, because well, some of these yeah. shows, everybody everybody was there. Well, and, and you know uh, how they go, like they're a bit of a schmoz, there's crew guys running everywhere and you, you don't even interact with half the people most of the time because you're busy, you know, getting shuttled in and things. Yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't. And even, even, even uh, these days, you know, April Wine shows up about 45 minutes before showtime. Right. Uh, and, you know, if there, whatever came before, we miss it. And sometimes uh, I really like, you know, before we go on, we're there 45 minutes. I'll, I'll, I'll go off side stage and see who's on before us. No, oh, cool. And I've heard, I've heard some great talent, um, yeah. just doing that. One of my dear friends now is Matt, uh, Ming, uh, not Matt Minglewood, but, um, Matt Anderson, who's a great artist. And, and I used to see him opening for April one, two or three times. Oh, wow. And this, here's this mountain of a man with this mane of blonde hair and, and this voice loud as a can and just blast them and uh now we're friends oh you know, cool he's on my blue he's on my blues record oh nice so who have you met over the years that you're a fan of that you that really impressed you um oh i mean there have been you know there have been lots i mean i i i don't know i've never met the beatles no uh, i've never you know worked with the rolling stones so that really impressed me i found jagger to be very 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 friendly yeah uh, and the other guy's very guarded, but then again, Keith Richards was dealing with uh, police yeah. arrests and yes. heroin. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you know, I've worked with a lot of fine artists, you know, uh, o- over the years. I don't know, uh, you know, the, just a lot of fine artists. I mean, I mentioned Sammy Hager earlier, like, you know, yeah. what a voice this guy can sing, like nobody's business. Yeah. Thinking of singers with Nazareth, which were very close friends. Of Tor- we did a lot, toured a lot with Nazareth. And uh, the lead singer in Nazareth has has a voice that's um, just makes your hair stand up on your arms, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and uh, you know, I've met met a lot of great, great, great players. Uh, I met Mark Farner just a while ago on a cruise. Cool. Uh, 
uh, and I and I never met I never met him before. Of course, that's Grand Funk Railway yeah, Road, and uh, Road, yeah. and I got to meet him, and he's a uh, he's a great you know great shape, you know, real okay. down to earth, and man, can he sing? Oh, well, he's, he's great, yeah, and he's he's sober, like he's a clean living. Oh yeah, guy, right? oh yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I met lots, lots, and lots of really talented people. Oh, yeah. good for you. Oh, cool. And then I have to, as a guitar player, I have to ask you a couple of questions. You play lots of Gretsch guitars. You're playing a black telly in that Ukraine video. I got one. I got exactly the same one. And, uh, what's your, what's your guitars these days? Mostly the Gretsch or you got some last. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm looking at a row of Gretsches right now that I purchased. I went from none to, um, well, I have five right now. Uh, and, and the thing is because, um, because the Beatles was, they were such a big influence for me. And I saw on the Ed Sullivan show, the Beatles performed for the first time in America. And George Harrison was playing um, a brown Gretsch. Hmm. Uh, I have one now. And and all these years, I, I never wanted a Gretsch. It doesn't suit, you know, what I do. And it was always Les Pauls. Yeah. And the blues, I favor the Strat and some telly work. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, I decided I wanted to get a Gretsch finally, and I bought my first one and got smitten by them. They're so, oh, cool. yeah, they're just incredible guitars, especially when you buy, you know, the top of the line Gretsches, you know, yeah. the best these days are coming out of Japan. And then you've got the ones in Korea are very good. Then you get it China and Indonesia. They're still, they're still good guitars. They're still they're good guitars. Beautiful. And they're, yeah. and they're very different. Um, yeah. I remember growing up that the, the Gretsch was always the guitar that was, hung on the wall you couldn't put your hands on it was up high and away and they were like they were like the rolls royce and it didn't matter what else in the store was there it would that was like kind of like the holy grail the rolls royce with the yeah. gold and the and the and the and the construction so now i'm now i'm collecting them but i have about i've got over a hundred guitars you know i've got all kinds of guitars yeah. so you know but still when i get to uh, to rock and roll with april wine it's got to be you know, I've got a Les Paul with humbuckers ready to rock. You know? Oh, cool. And you've got dates coming up this year. I looked on your website. You've got, the, you must have 12 or 15 dates listed on there, right? For April wine? Yeah. Uh, as we speak, it's something like that, but there, there's, there are more coming in. So um, I don't know. I, when I decided way back that I wasn't going to do uh, as many shows as April wine was doing at the time, we were doing somewhere in the neighborhood, 60, 65 shows a a day yeah. a year yeah. and you know every show takes three days you got to get there then yeah. you show day and then get home uh for example and i said um back in 07 uh or eight around there or maybe i can't remember exactly when but when i was saying to you earlier i told the band that i got other things to do yeah. and i wrote books and did blues and stuff and um you know at that point i said i'll do 30 mm -hmm. i'll do 30 shows now with COVID, you know, I don't know if I'll do 30. I don't think so, but I'd like to do 20. And I think we're going to make it this year. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe depending on COVID, maybe do 25, maybe do 30. But, yep. you know, still, even though people are coming out, uh, COVID has, has never been more prevalent. You know, it's it's uh, there are more cases of every day now than there ever have been with this disease and there's more variants coming down the road so we are not out of the woods and, and you get a guy like me and i'm 74 in june mm. uh and i'm a diabetic type one um mm. you know i have to be especially careful yeah so you know fair enough yeah, yeah fair enough no that's a good point point. and then are you doing any blues dates and and some of the just between me and you dates you were doing the acoustic 
things too, right? Yeah, you keep saying it wrong. It's just between you and me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I got to correct you this time. Uh, but um, yeah, that's the name uh, of the book. Just be, and the song, just between you and, and me. I'm, I got the book right in front of me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're just dyslexic <laughs> or whatever. I guess. Uh, so anyway, uh, um, yeah. I mean, I've got at least uh, the same number of shows with my acoustic uh, trio. Yeah. So we play, oh, cool. we play a lot, you know, we play a lot and we do about, you know, 15 shows, maybe a little more than that in a year. So between the two of them, I'm up to my 30 a year. Good. Yeah. Uh, and I've got, you know, other recording projects to do. And, and uh, that's what I love the most making history yeah. in the studio. Well, yeah. good. Well, I, I, and I do follow you and I have seen all that and, and I do appreciate you sharing that and, and the stuff you did in your book and the fact that you're, that you're living your best life. I'm very happy about that. You know, you went, you, you, document what you went through and the physical issues and then getting clean and sober and to see you at this age living your best life is, is an inspiration to me and i really appreciate it. i'm very very happy for you well thank you yeah and i'm and you know i've met a wonderful i have a wonderful lady in my life that helps share the days and nights and yeah. uh and my family are well so yeah what more can you ask for right? well good on you no i really appreciate it and i know we're a little, little bit over time here but i do thank you for taking the time to talk to me today and uh, you're one of the guys when we when we first started liner notes you were one of the top names on the list and we reached out to you and, and you said you'd do it so i really do appreciate that yeah all right well thank you yeah. it was nice talking with you Many thanks to Miles Goodwin for being part of the Liner Notes podcast and sharing some insights from his incredible experiences in the music business. More information is available at aprilwine.ca. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and invite you to subscribe to it and share it on social media so others can enjoy it as well. You can also become a member if you'd like notifications and other inside information and perks. We'd love to have you on board. And we also invite you to listen to Dusty Discs Radio Tuesdays and Thursdays to hear music from the Canadian artists you're hearing on this show. So until next time, I'm Dan Henry.